Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Lead Live. I'm Louis Amistoy. It is Tuesday, Election Day. I feel like I should be playing some patriotic music, but I, I can't find any in my library. We'll get right to it. The Lead Live is brought to you by Pint and Plow Brewing Company of Kerrville, Texas. Our good friends over at the Texas Hill Country Advisors, Gilbert and Andrew, their show was last night. Pay them a visit at TexasHillCountryAdvisors.com. Also, K-Pop, safe, reliable, and yours. Peterson Health. And our friends over at Kerr County Abstract and Title. Also, Amber Thomason, State Farm Insurance. She'll give you the Rogers rate. A whole bunch more coming on, too. Thanks for joining us here on a Tuesday. Appreciate you guys for, for being here. Pine Plow's closed this morning, so don't get come in and get coffee. All right. Well, we've got a great show for you again today, uh, Election Day, though. Uh, I'm, not certainly, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do for Election Night. I know... There's like Mardi Gras stuff going on today uh, downtown at Arcadia Live. There's also Mardi Gras stuff going on down at the river, Pier 27 River Lounge. Uh, I mean, I was doing the calendar last night uh, for the week, and it took me, I don't know, it took me, it was, it took me a long time to put it together. And I essentially scrape like the different websites I know, and then Facebook, and then the CVB to get this sort of compile this list. There's 16 live music performances this week between today and two and Sunday. Um, if so, if you like live music, I'm telling you right now, Kerrville's red hot uh, and Ingram. So there's 16. I mean, anywhere from classical music all the way to a good old fashioned Americana music tonight, the Mardi Gras thing over Arcadia live will be there uh as well and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun to uh, do we have uh the great and powerful he's been here for 14 months brad barnett here today uh to join us uh, brad good morning how are you doing great how are you guys uh, this morning? doing great too so there there he is on camera three and then over here uh i'm gonna get i'm gonna get right i know it i know it i should know this thing but you have the impossible greek last name it's jacqueline and uh, you, you you made it clear. It's like <laughs> Jurassic Park. Jurassimedes is here. Uh, she's joining it. us as a, as a co-host today. And uh, how are good you? Good morning, morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be here. Good yeah. morning, Brad. Good, good morning, morning Luz. Yeah, good morning. Uh, uh, look at a couple of news items real quick before we get uh, started with the show. Um, yesterday, we talked to Lucy Wilkie texted me last night, and she's like, she's a DA for the 216th uh, district. She's like, look, get your facts straight, Louis. And I can always respect that. And she... She wanted me to know that she wasn't asking for more money for her investigator. And this is going to be a conversation that we're going to have with Brad later. He's not going to answer the question about salaries with the county, but we're going to talk to him about salaries. Um, she was looking for to pay a guy $60,611 a year to be an investigator in her department. But the, the, the starting wage for an investigator is like fifty grand. But this is a guy who has 25 years of experience, and there was a lot of kind of back and forth over – what to pay this guy and how to pay him. And, you know, respectfully, he should have got the higher rate. Um, but the commissioners were like a little bit, a little bit soft on that number. And, you know, it's interesting to me. It's like you just can't keep paying people that kind of salary to do a professional job. It's just not realistic anymore. 
So fifty thousand dollars a year when you're you're like I went to San I was in Austin the other day, and you know Chick Fil A was paying twenty bucks an hour. Mm. So um, you know that's that's a pretty good salary. You know, and so you add that into the whole thing, then then that that becomes a little bit of a problem. So <laughs> they got she got what she wanted to, but I mean honestly, sixty thousand dollars for a twenty five year veteran police officer to be an investigator for the DA's department that's not a good salary, I don't think. Um, that was yesterday at the commissioner's court. Of course, today is election day. We have some significant races here in Kerr County. The biggest one, and I have no feeling for this at all. I cannot predict it at all. I don't know what to expect. But Sonia Hooten, Jack Pratt, Stan Kaminica, and Rich Paces uh, is, are all running for Precinct 2. If you're in Precinct 2, uh, which is Centerpoint, uh, Comanche Trace, parts of River Hill, parts of Kerrville, uh, Camp Verde, this is going to be an important race for you to decide who's going to basically succeed Beck Gibson who was replaced uh, appointed to replace uh, Tom Moser who retired or resigned or whatever um, I don't know what to make of this race at all now on your ballot remember John Sheffield will be on your ballot he's not running so get him out there don't worry about him uh, you have four choices this is all they're all Republicans uh, <laughs> and they will whoever wins this thing will I, I have a feeling we'll see a runoff at uh, the May 24th primary. Um, I just I can't imagine anybody getting 50% of the vote here or not. Who's the favorite? I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a feeling for this at all. And, 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 and Brad's over there shaking his head like, I don't know either. You know, <laughs> so um, my gut tells me that Sonia Hooten has got the right kind of endorsements with uh, uh, Rusty Hillerholzer and, and Tom Moser. Uh, being you know the former sheriff, the for, the former commissioner, but I don't know. You know, like I said before yesterday, w- women have had a tough time in these R- these these GOP um, races at times, running against men. So we'll see. She's first on the ballot. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, you know, and, and empirically, that's the, there, there, there's truth in that. You know, there, there, last year we had that embarrassing situation where that clown got forty percent of the vote for the uh, school board, uh, the, the state school board. Um, other close races, this is the one, too. It's like, okay, so the one I'm, I'm most interested in, really, is the incumbent race, or is the race in House District 53, Andy Murr, uh, who we've talked to a number of times on the show. And he's got a fight against Wesley Vertle. And Wesley Vertle is like one of these hard right candidates, you know, uh, who's arguing that he's more authentic Texan than, than, than Murr. Which is really hard to wrap your head around, considering that Murr's like a fourth or fifth generation Texan. He's Grandpa was the governor of the state. Uh, Vertle's trying to make a make a claim that that uh, Murr doesn't live in the in the district. Uh, that was kind of crazy too. Uh, and then the Senate District Twenty Four is uh, Raul Reyes, uh, Peter Flores, and Lamar Lewis um, all running for there. Again, no feel for that race at all. Reyes got a lot of national attention because he was uh, he was backed by Ted Cruz um, in a, a in a congressional race that was very very narrow in the primary. Um, he ended up losing that uh, to the Trump back candidate. Uh, Flores is a former state senator, and Lamar Lewis is uh, a coach, but he's got a lot of strong conservative ideas. He's worked in public service uh, in Austin for quite some time as well. And then, of course, the the other one I can't I don't have a feel for either is uh, Ken Paxton, the Attorney General, is facing former Supreme Court Justice uh, Texas Supreme Court Justice uh, Eva, Eva Guzman. George P. Bush, who's a land commissioner, and then Representative Louis Gohmert. Uh, and there's a sense of this is that Paxton will not get 50%. He'll have to go to a primary on May 24th. Um, 
And I don't know. I, again, I have no feel for that one either. I mean, Paxton has got the Trump backing, but he's also indicted and he's kind of squirrely. And, you know, so we'll see how this goes. And, and then people are kind of done with the Bushes, too, like the really hardcore Republicans, even though George P. is like he has done everything possible to align himself with Trump. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. And then Louis Gomer, I mean, Louis Gomer, you know, so he's just whatever. So yesterday, um, our own Chip Roy, uh, U.S. representative, um, was the only was one of three Republicans, one of the three people on the U.S. House of Representatives to vote against an anti-lynching bill. So, Chip, I just I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I, I don't know what happened to you. So he mm. but this is. This is a guy who said that's how we do old justice in Texas during a, uh, a House committee meeting. Um, and, like, Chip, like, I really, I mean, I, like, I'm going to say it, I voted for him, you know. And I, I don't know why you would not vote for an anti-lynching bill. This is, Louis Gumbert wouldn't vote for it either previously. But this is one of those things where, you know, you got to remember this is, is a weird and strange time. But three of them. All Southern guys, uh, and uh, here come some people who they think we're open, but we're not. Uh, hey, Tom, you want you want a coffee? It's right here. They're closed today. Remember, <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's election day. Have a cup of coffee though, and, and enjoy. On Tuesday, yeah, they're closed. That's why you go to PAX. Uh, all right, uh, that's the great Tom Daniels as well. Um, so today's election day. Uh, follow all our election. We'll have election results tonight. We'll have election analysis tonight. We'll get it up there as soon as we can. Uh, a couple of other things I want to mention. Um, I finally rewatched the uh, uh, last week's Economic Improvement Corporation meeting, and um, Gilsling has had a lot of interesting things to say. The power of the sports complex was really brought up, though, and uh, you know this is the none of this stuff surprises me. Um, you know, they basically put up some numbers that were interesting, like the number of tournaments they had, number of tournament teams they had. Uh, 938 teams competed at the DBAT Center, uh, baseball, softball, in 2020. And remember, that's a fascinating number because we were the only thing open during the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. So you actually had just teams from all over, not only just Texas, but all over the country come here because they could play baseball. And so you actually had – like a high level of baseball being played here. There was probably a several major league prospects that played here. Definitely division one college prospects that played here uh, during that period. Um, so DBAT's doing actually very well. Now what's interesting is that, and um, Brad, Brad could probably argue with me about this too, is that this, the, the city, and I don't disagree with Ashley Boyle on all this. I think it's re legitimate. Um, they use this cell phone data to kind of validate the, the, the information because they don't really have the greatest data. They have pretty good data. Um, and so they use cell phone data. But what I, one of the things I want to point out is that this is going to be extreme. And believe me, I work in analytics every day, and I have seen how Apple's privacy policies have kind of like thrown a wrench in my analytics. Um, they have just they they've just changed the way things are looking. So these ideas that these marketing companies can scrape cell phone data, not not true anymore because a vast majority of Apple users apparently have now opted out of of tracking services that apps have. 
And what those app companies would do is they would sell that third-party data generically to marketing firms to say, oh, here's mm -hmm. what you're looking at and everything like that. So unless you install like a really powerful, high-speed, free internet service over at the DBAT, you know, just to track how people are doing, that's about the only way you could do it. Um, I don't, I don't trust that data very much anymore. And so, something for us to keep in mind. It just makes, this makes it harder and harder for us to analyze what we, what we got going to this in this community. So there you go. Those are the news and notes for this morning. Uh, remember Mardi Gras over at the Arcadia Live. Get there and enjoy. Um, I think Steve Schulte will be there. He'll be wearing lots of beads and things like that, so keep an <laughs> eye on that guy. Uh, music today by uh, Pier 27, uh, Mike Casper. And like I said, I went through, and I, there's a, actually on the, on the site, there's now a whole thing of things to do. Uh, and uh, by the way, one other thing to do, too, is that um, and I love this idea. Uh, if you've ever been onto the plains of the Midwest, you think, oh, it's so boring, you know. But I love it photographically. Um, in fact, in Colorado, <laughs> uh, I think the plains – are just as photographic as the Rockies are. Like, people get all excited about the mountains. Like, yeah, they're cool, you know. But the plains, though, like the prairies and stuff like that are really, really spectacular mm -hmm. and sunsets, yeah. things like that. So, all right, Jack, 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 what do you got going on today? I heard, now you told me yesterday that if people call <laughs> you Jackie, you're in trouble. Yes. That, um, that seems like it would be your nickname <laughs> and that Jack, Jacqueline, <laughs> come here. Well, <clears throat> I had a famous French teacher in school, and in England it's compulsory to do foreign languages. And so I took French and German and Spanish. But my French teacher, she, everyone would call me teacher's pet. It was really funny about that. But every time I'd be in trouble, she would say, Jackie. And I would know, oh, no, oh, no <laughs> I'm going to no, get into trouble. No, right. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of us, you know, like mine was the middle name. If my middle name came <laughs> out, you know, pff, you know, that would be, I would be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, were you Brad or Bradley when growing up? What, what was, was it formal or how did that, what, when you got in trouble, what, what did they, what was the go to? Well, I went by Brad, but Bradley's my name. Yeah. But my mom, when I was really in trouble, would call me Bradford. Oh, oh. oh boy. <laughs> you named me, so who are you talking to? Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> not Brat. Not, not Brat. <laughs> right. I'm sure she called me quite a few other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. one of the things that we mentioned that uh, we did not mention yet, but uh, we're, this is why this, we're, we're setting it up. We're setting this dramatic, a dramatic pause here <laughs> of one of the many events that we have this week is, uh, the economic forum, uh, mm -hmm. uh on Thursday or the Hill Country Youth Event Center. And this is like a chamber <laughs> of commerce event, Kerrville area chamber of commerce. And Brad is here to talk about this event. Uh, you had state of the city. Uh, the state of the city looks pretty good. Uh, now this is kind of the state of the regional economy. What can we expect on Thursday? Well, this is a, this is our, probably our only event where it's a half-day event. We start at 8 o'clock. We'll have four sessions, including the keynote. Uh, we're going to try to wrap up by about one fifteen. I know in previous years, this is the sixth year we've done the event, yeah. uh, that we finished up closer to 2 o'clock. So we want to respect everybody's time, give them the information, and then get uh, uh, let them go back to work. Uh, but we'll be starting off with a panel discussion with uh, Gil from EDC, uh, myself, and Julie over at the CVB, just uh, talking about our working relationships. We have a new publication called Curview that will be coming out later this year uh, that kind of takes the place uh, where Business Link left off. Uh, we stopped doing that last year. Um, so we're going to just kind of give an overview there. I th hopefully this uh, second session panel discussion will be the most interesting for a lot of people, and that's our housing forum panel. Uh, that's the big question. Yeah. That's the big question. What do you expect from that panel? What do you, what do you think you'll hear? Well, 
What we did uh, in December, we had a uh, meeting with a lot of stakeholders. Uh, Mayor Blackburn has set up a commission on housing, but I think with COVID, they really weren't able to focus on that because obviously with a uh, global pandemic, that takes precedent. Uh, the chamber, after that meeting, agreed to set up a committee on housing and development to really take up that work. Our thought was we're a private membership-based organization supporting business. It makes sense for us that to live under us working with the city versus the city doing yeah. that. So. It makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of engaged in a conversation the other day that, that, that I don't know, I find it a little worrisome, too, and, and uh, if you think about it as well. Where the price of housing right now has has, has mm. gotten to be so crazy high, um, this Lennar project that that we're building and you know, Kerrville's building right now up on Loop Five Thirty Four, I've I'm, I'd love to. I think we should have an odds making if we had actually had gambling in Texas, um, where we would say what what is the over under on that selling out within the first month? Um, I think it's pretty strong. It'll sell out pretty quickly. Um, but the question gets down to is that. Is affordable housing ever going to be attainable in Kerr Kerrville? Mm. Or will it always be the higher end stuff? Because you look at where the building's happening right now, Comanche Trace and other places as well. Mm. Do, do, you, do you, What do you foresee there? We've got a real good group of about 12 to 14 uh, leaders in the community, several yeah. uh, developers. And we're trying to frame it. And you mentioned the word attainable. And that's really one of the things we want to look at. And we're, again, early in the process. But really defining what is attainable, mm -hmm. because how much do we need for each price point uh, to meet those needs? Because this really got started, uh, Corey Edmondson over at Peterson Health came to me and said, we're having issues recruiting doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. So that shows it's all levels. It's not just the people working mm -hmm. in retail. It's if you're on a doctor's salary and you're having issues or a nurse's salary finding housing here and having bought a house this time last year, it's challenging and you're going to end up paying a lot more than you than I ever wanted to. And not only that, but it's also challenging for those who are trying to rent. Uh, Jacqueline's mm -hmm. running that issue too. I was talking to somebody yesterday that a uh, 48 day rent, uh, 48, 48 day wait for a rental. I mean, I remember when I got here in 2019, we struggled mightily. I was like one, one day away from moving to Bernie when I found a place here mm -hmm. in Kerrville. But um, I guess what worries me is that you know, what does Kerrville look like? What do we want it to become? Will it be affordable or will it be this community? Uh, and, and, I, and I guess I got, I guess I got kind of the, I went to California this weekend, which, is, which, would, which would sour anybody on the price of housing, you know, <laughs> where they're building $400,000 houses, you know, in communities where I didn't think that was even possible. Um, and so what is that? I, I just don't know how we get there. And that's where I'm, I'm, I'm worried, you know, that, the, the pricing, the people who are coming here, too, have so much money and equity to cash out to as well. It's just going to keep jacking that price up. And uh, I, I don't know that it's ever going to be. So that's going to be one to really, really pay attention to, I think. Do you have developers right now that are specifically targeting building for a certain amount so that people can have that affordable housing? Because that's really important mm -hmm. with everybody coming in and having all of this large equity to buy properties on, like in Comanche Trace, for example. There has to be some builders that can come together, and maybe that can be discussed in the forum, I'm not sure, but those that can build housing for those that don't have a million plus or two mm -hmm. or three or whatever it is. Yeah. It's really important because that will detain people from coming here if there isn't av anything available for them to live in and buy or even rent. And that's really, I think, 
there's no easy solution. And somebody no. said, with this committee, how long is it going to take? I said, we're not turning the corner on this for at least five years. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be ongoing. I think a lot of our local developers, and I know, uh, I think the city got a lot of grief why, bringing in a group like Lennar instead of using a local, de- local developer. Mm-hmm. When you look at how that's done, the price margin uh, per home on um, the attainable, affordable housing is very slim. Mm. So it makes it challenging for our local developers to hit that market. Yeah. So, And I think if you talk to most local developers, they'll say we don't want to touch that when there's enough of a market for them to build a four or five, six dollars $600,000 home when their margins are higher. Well, especially with supply chain issues, too. I mean, you, like, you know, some of these guys are having difficulty just finding basic stuff, you mm. know. Um, that's another another whole issue as well. All right, so we have sort of an overview, um, and and how you know here's the question for you. Going back to your your opening your opening panel discussion, how do you Gil and uh, Julie get along? Gil obviously being the, the executive director of the Kerr Economic Development Corporation, Julie the president and CEO of the of the Convention and Visitors Bureau. What how does that work? How does that how is that symbiotic between the three of you? It works really well, uh, and the EDC is actually one of our tenants there at the chamber. So my office is on one side of the chamber conference room. Gills is on the other. So uh, we're obviously in the same building. That helps. And I'm probably running into Julie several times a week. Yeah. And having run a CVB, I just I know what she's under. Because with the chamber, we're a private membership organization. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, collecting data from uh, tournaments that's a little harder to actually get, you know, hard numbers on and people are always going to challenge you on that. Mm-hmm. So just knowing what she faces that. And so for new businesses coming in, if they come to see you, what can you do? Say somebody wants to start a business and they have a little bit of capital, but not much. How can you help them to pioneer and to start a business if they come to see you? Well, we can't do everything for everybody, so we try to have some strategic partnerships like with the SCORE program out of San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Uh, If somebody comes in, one of the things I always say, and having run a small business in the past, is you've got to have a business plan. I mean, that was one of the big things when I came into the chamber. I said, if you hire me, we're within the six months, we're developing a strategic plan. So you actually help them develop a business plan? We we actually, a lot of times, we'll partner with Small Business Administration or some of these other groups or local colleges, like with Mm -hmm. Shriner, uh, just because they've got the resources uh, to get that done a little quicker than we Mm -hmm. can. But we're Mm -hmm. absolutely, on stuff like that, happy to help. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's you, you even have that program, right? You have someone who helps with business writing, and those those are those are critically important mm. tools. Mm. Um, you know, I, and I and I I was talking about this a little bit too. It's like I'm now onto the entrepreneurial side of things now too, mm. and it, man, it's it's overwhelming. You know, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of questions you have, and Gil and I talked about that a little bit too. You know, it's like okay, well, what's the right way to go, and how how does the chamber, how does EDC help you with those you know those small those questions, you know, those are, those are because, you know, that's a significant part of, of where a lot of people want to be, you know, they want to do their own thing. How do we help, how do we help foster that question is the big, the big one. So, well, and coming out of a recession and this one, obviously primarily because of COVID, Mm -hmm. you generally see an increase in entrepreneurs, uh, new Mm -hmm. business startups. So, uh, and the data that I've seen so far says that we're seeing the same thing. People that maybe wanted to start their own business, but, they had the nice job and they got the regular paycheck and they had insurance because if you're doing your own business, you know, you've got to do the quarterly taxes. You have to pay for your own insurance. I mean, there's, it's a lot more, and you're working probably 70, 80 hours a week. Which oh, people yeah. that haven't done their own business have no idea yeah. how difficult that is. Believe me, I know that first half, man. It's like it's, it's a nonstop deal. 
Uh, a couple comments. Uh, uh, you're right, Carrie. Absolutely. The Glory Community Garden Cowboy Breakfast is this Saturday, 9 to 1. Breakfast tacos early, chili later. Donations only. Please come to the Glory Community Center, uh, Garden Cowboy Breakfast over in the Doyle neighborhood. Um, you haven't been over there yet. Uh, it's really, really quite lovely um, as well. We're talking to Brad Barnett, who is the uh, the president, CEO, uh, jack of all trades over at the <laughs> Kerrville Area Chamber of Commerce. He came to us uh, about a year and a half ago from um, uh, Midland, Odessa. Actually, we freed him from Midland, Odessa. Not that big bad about it, but I mean, I mean, when you drive by Midland, Odessa, uh, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like you're driving in the middle of nowhere, and boom, there's like a skyline. You know, like wh- what in the heck? And that, that, that's Texas to me. That's the what, the best thing about West Texas is that what 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 new and unusual thing will you see around the corner? Either you'll see the Big Texan in Amarillo or their skyscrapers, uh, and then you had Midland, Odessa. Um, and it was interesting because like Midland, I lived in Bakersfield for for a number of years, Bakersfield, California. And they have Rosedale Highway, which is like oil field services, pump jacks. That's like the entirety of Midland Odessa. It's just like trucks, pipe, <laughs> pump jacks. And you you had the job of doing like conventions and visitors and you had ran the convention center. But I, I would imagine though, considering its place in American energy, that there's probably a lot of stuff going on there. How would how would you what was it like it was always busy we were talking about that before we went on the air is the pace because even when oil isn't up it tends to be we need to do this yesterday there's always stuff to do and always meetings and then when oil hits 80 or above um, for us you had a lot of people staying in hotels because again like here at the housing shortage yeah so if they stay less than uh, 30 days then they're paying the hotel occupancy occupancy tax and since that paid our salary and helped pay for a new 43 million dollar convention center uh it was actually good for us yeah the flip side of that the challenge is why do we need a new convention center why do we need to promote tourism because the only people staying in the hotels are oil field yeah which we had the data from the governor's office to prove that's not accurate but that was a contributing factor well i mean yeah i mean the the i mean and those to me those guys are staying in the or that's new dollars you know those, yeah. that's dollars those it doesn't matter i mean they're still paying the taxes and like that so ultimately it's a good thing for that um and and people in midland odessa right now i mean like they're decrying the gas price but they're also like woohoo, hundred dollars a barrel you know that's like good deal that's there's some there's some there's always a flip side to every sort of economic issue you know in our country as well um you know you brought, brought up the convention center one of the things that the uh, that I'm, I'm kind of like becoming more and more, we're going to have this event at the Hill Country Youth Event Center uh, on on Thursday, the uh, economic forum. But it seems like we're also we need something bigger here. What's your take on that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, when I was interviewed, it was a nine and a half hour interview process yeah. uh, a year ago, mm-hmm. October. Uh, but Charlie McIlvain uh, used to be at CVB asked me, he said, so what's your take as a chamber leader for convention centers? I said, I think we absolutely need one. Mm-hmm. Just don't ask me to design it, build it, or run it. <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there, uh, done that, right? But I think, you know, they've talked about Fredericksburg, uh, getting one. I think our location is much more strategic. Mm-hmm. You've got enough low-hanging fruit from San Antonio and Austin, people that want to get away. And that's the great thing about tourism dollars. Come here, spend your money, give, it, give us your money, then go home. Yeah. Uh, it. I know in Midland, most years, if tu- we always told people if tourism dried up, 
the average property taxpayer is going to pay an extra either seven to nine hundred dollars a year in taxes. Wow. If, wow. So being able to have numbers from the governor's office, and I always say, you know, going back to what you said earlier, it's hard to get accurate data. So I mm -hmm. always err on the side of being conservative, never mm -hmm. wanting to make numbers up. So it has a huge impact. So I would love to see us be able to have something. Uh, and I think as our community, well, I know as our community grows, there's still going to be room for the YO, End uh, of the Hills, and uh, the Youth Event Center. There's there's enough business for all this. Yeah, I know. I was sort of like pressing uh, the Youth Event Center folks. I mean, I, I mean, like to me, that's like an ideal location because it's near the river and it, it's near the highway and it's not far from ten. But it's just, it, I mean, it's also not big enough in some cases for a big conference. There's not breakout rooms. There's not. There's not a real ballroom. The lighting in there is like, believe me, I take many pictures in that facility, and I got to go down and tone those things down, because it's like yellow. It's like it's like it, the lighting in there is is borderline orange, uh, and it's really charming on some people's faces. So uh, we need something with good lighting, uh, maybe some carpeting, uh, and uh, maybe not as accessible to livestock. So I made I made a joke about that, by the way, on the. The uh, the quilt show, which was a spectacular event, and let me tell you, it drew it it packed these restaurants here with little old ladies, and they had it, they were like teenage girls let out for the first time in two or three years with money in their pockets, like woohoo, we're gonna go buy quilts, and um, it was crazy, but when you went in there on Wednesday to see them setting it up, it was like whoa. It's a little rank in here because they had the pig show the week before and it still smelled like it still smelled like swine. Oh, so, yeah. So uh, my recommendation is we have something that maybe maybe we have a better separation between that or more Febreze. I don't know how we'd make that. Work. <laughs> but, you know, running that facility, though, I mean, that was, you you were on the ground. You were at all phases of that. I mean, that's got to be an exhausting job to build and to be through that whole process and that that took up what eight or nine years of your life right uh actually we got that done for a part of the big challenge is getting the city council you know seven people in midland very conservative yeah. to agree to spend uh 42.8 million dollars right. on a project uh so obviously telling people the thing we always got was well we need a homeless shelter we need more police and fire well i don't disagree with right. you but the money this money legally cannot be used for that right. mm. uh but and also, you got a facility that was 35 years old. People have had weddings, everything else there. So there was that bittersweet moment for a lot of people as you're tearing this down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we tried to respect the past. We went from a 28,000-square-foot building to a 76,000-square-foot wow. building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, but overseeing that and for several years wearing a hard hat, going over, giving people tours at lunch because that's a challenge. You've got to start booking. And yeah. Then they told us we're supposed to open in September of 2019. They came two months and said, we need to push this back. I said, well, the Chamber of Commerce's annual uh, meeting <laughs> is the first event. So you're telling me to tell my boss he yeah. has to move it. And at the time, my wife uh, was the EVP over the events for the chamber. Oh, wow. So uh -huh. I'm not telling my boss and my wife <laughs> we're right. having to push this <laughs> exactly. back. Exactly. So we're going to figure out a way to get this open on time. And, but we did, and we came in about $350,000 under, bu under budget. Which That's was incredible. A That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's, That's amazing. That's pretty good. Uh, the Economic Summit will be uh, Thursday. So our first two sub subjects will be you, Gil, and um, Julie over at Julie Davis over at the uh, CVB, talking about your relationship. And, th and then and then we'll go on to housing. What else do we have uh, as well? Uh, we've got Dr. Luis Torres. He is with the Texas A&M University School of Realty. Um, and again, housing obviously is a huge issue. So we kind of go from the housing into 
a more of a statewide uh, and a little bit of a national uh, issue because the housing thing is not just here. Mm -hmm. I was in uh, Mm -hmm. southeast Texas in Orange uh, this weekend, and on the news in Beaumont, they were talking about different projects and trying to get housing. So as everybody comes here, it's – so we've got to figure out what works for our community. So I think uh, Dr. Torres will do a great job with that. Then we finish up with uh, Johnny Quinn, former bobsledder. He, I don't think he's bringing the bobsled. Uh, and uh, two man bobsledder too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and a football player for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Just looked him up. So. Are you looking for extra more members to join? For the chamber? Yes. We're always looking for more members. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we're running about eight hundred and twenty members. Um, mm-hmm. Coming out of COVID, we obviously lost a lot, and several member businesses just didn't make it through COVID. Mm. Uh, The upside is we, out of the businesses in Kerr County, we have about 42% of those uh, businesses that are members. Most chambers, if you're at 25 to 30% of your business community, you're doing well. Yeah. Mm. I always want to do better because we're a lot of times, most of the time, representing all the businesses. So we want the businesses to be part of what we're doing. And our lowest level starts at uh, $300. Mm-hmm. If you're a nonprofit, it's $150. I mean, so you can't, I mean, it goes all the way up to $1,500 for the higher level members. We occasionally do events specifically for uh, our mm-hmm. diamond uh, and platinum members. Uh, but yeah, if so anybody's interested so in joining. So somebody that's a new member, what would they get from you? Based, I'm assuming, from the tier level that they actually have the different memberships and they want to pay for them, correct? Correct. Uh, One of the things with our events that we started when I got here is there's actually, you pay a little less when you're attending an event, except for State of the City, since we work with the city on that. We didn't want to do member, non-member pricing. Uh, But the rest, so there's that discount uh, on events. We give them a lot of marketing. Uh, depending on what level, you get a certain number of e-blast. Mm-hmm. If you're a member, you have access. We just uh, a few months ago purchased the digital uh, sign, billboard mm-hmm. out front of the chamber. That was not ours. Uh, so now if you're a chamber member, you can go through us, buy an ad. I think it's $250 a month, or, mm-hmm. and we're almost sold out. So, I mean, mm-hmm. what we paid for that sign, we'll recoup in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But it's an extra benefit for members to be able to advertise at a key location there on Sydney Baker. Do they get some form of training in their specific fields as well? Do you offer any kind of continuing education for them? We're working on that. We used to do the lunch and learn, and then we Mm -hmm. did breakfast. So we're working with several of our members to really let them kind of do more leadership training. Mm -hmm. So hopefully maybe mid-year we'll have some of that uh, kind of taken care of Mm because this is our 100th anniversary. Oh, wonderful. So we're celebrating 100. So last year we've traditionally had five events. Mm -hmm. We've moved to seven this year. Probably won't do seven every year, yeah. but uh, we've added state of education that will be at our next event after the economic summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just education is critical. Yes, so. it is. And then state of health care um, mm-hmm. presented by Peterson Health that will be in, I believe, September at the Arcadia. And we've always wanted to do uh, a big chamber event there. Just such a beautiful facility. That's a great yeah. facility, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's really yeah. great that people can come and get all of those services. Mm-hmm. And they can be really helped. And you, you mentioned nonprofits as well. What can you do to help a nonprofit? A lot of the same thing mm-hmm. is really the promotion for right. nonprofits mm-hmm. is really promoting their event mm-hmm. because we're funded. Uh, we are technically a nonprofit, 501c6. Uh, so we're funded by membership dues and then the events that we put on. So mm-hmm. when we do an event like Economic Summit, we do make some money on that. Mm-hmm. But really the primary reason is just to get the information to our members. Yeah. Right. When you look at uh, going back to some of the things where Gil had a great conversation yesterday on 
last week about, you know, the the employment sector and that, he, you know, he kind of said, you know, hey, look, you know, the service industry is going to still be under a lot of strain because of employment. Um, we're seeing just a remarkable growth in, in sales tax revenue. Um, but at the same time, though, you know, we've seen this these trends where um, people are not going back to work at these restaurants or retail shops. You know, w- w- what has been the membership's response to some of that? You know, mm-hmm. what are the, have they expressed concerns? You know, hey, we can't find employees or mm-hmm. what, what has that been like uh, as, you know, in this last, uh, we call it, uh, Gil called it the great re-evalua- reevaluation. Some have called it the great resignation. <laughs> Um, you see surging, you know, every fast food restaurant in town now is like offering above minimum wage. Like I think was minimum wage, like seven something an hour here in Texas. Like they're offering four or five dollars above minimum wage um, and still can't find people. Um, what is your what is your temperature check on on this situation? Our members have been struggling. Uh, we've really uh, we've got a bought on our website, curvillechamber.biz, that mm-hmm. uh, members can post job yeah, uh, openings. That's good. So we actually added a link to the main homepage so people didn't have to dig for that because that is challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think there is that struggle of you need employees, but some businesses are really, I think, resistant to look at the market and go, okay, here's what the market mm-hmm. is, uh, and figure out a way to offer uh, a competitive wage. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm very much against the government setting, you know, this mm. idea of a living wage. And mm. while I was always a big proponent of the vaccine, you should get it. I'm all always against a government mandate uh, for that being forced. But I think let the business, let the market uh, come up with that. And if businesses can't find somebody at a eleven dollar an hour price point, then, you know, look at the data. And maybe right. that needs to be a fourteen dollar an hour job. Right. And then figure out how do you make that work as a business owner. Well, one of the things interesting about Texas to me is that if you look at the situation with teachers and even this law enforcement situation where, you know, um, this investigator is getting paid $60,000 with 25 years of experience. I mean, to me, that's just ridiculous. Um, you know, and so Texas, I think, is kind of, has sort of like, you know, kind of been able to skate under these uh, with the kind of low-wage jobs for a long, long time. But the companies that are coming in doesn't mean that they're not – they're not reducing their wages. They're bringing their wages with them for the most part. So essentially they're driving up prices as well. Um, I mean, do, do you agree or disagree with that kind of assessment? I mean, that we're going to have to be, Texas got to get a lot more competitive with, mm-hmm. with wages. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a huge adjustment. And I, I think that's one of the places where chambers and other organizations mm-hmm. can help that if businesses are struggling Here's what we're facing mm-hmm. that we can sit down and go, okay, here are some potential uh, solutions, uh, ways to make that happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's anytime, I mean, this is, we've just hopefully coming out of a global pandemic, mm-hmm. but that's really changed our world. Yeah. Uh, and then with oil prices going up, with everything going on with Russia and the Ukraine, uh, we're still in, our world's changing daily. And daily. I think our business owners have got to be aware that that affects them mm-hmm. yeah yeah the the world is, you know, in the, as, a, as the economist uh, and writer tom freeman always said the world's flat the world's flat and shrinking you know and that's <laughs> something that i think that you know we have um you know we have great uh, we, we need to understand that you know that things that happen here um you know that are no, no power over basically gas prices being one of them are often affected by the geopolitical situation and what's going on with Russia is a, is a good, good example of that as well. So, 
Uh, are you guys both following what's going on in Ukraine? I can't. I cannot take my eyes off it. I'm like up until midnight on Twitter, like going through stuff and looking at it. It's just it's remarkable. Like it's it's weird. Like you're seeing like footage in real time, you know, of of things. And I mean, you have to kind of sort through it to to to, to find out what's real and what's not real. But man, it's it's interesting to watch mm-hmm. and terrifying at the same time too. So um, as well, uh, COVID. We survived COVID. Um, how has COVID changed the business business world? I'm hoping coming out of this, it's made businesses leaner and more adaptive. Yeah, because uh, that was our official word. I think for several years was we got to be willing to pivot and change. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bigger things, what you've already touched on, is when you know the Great Resignation that you. Part of it is, you know, the millennial generation, and then I forget the group that comes after it. My son's 21. So Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z, yes. <laughs> Your son would be in Gen Z. Okay. Yeah. And he just moved to Corpus, uh, started his first full-time job out of, uh, got his associates, doesn't know what he wants to do. Yeah. Uh, but that is, it's a challenge with any generation, but we've been so prosperous, and one of the things we always said is, when you go out on your own, right. you're not going to have the same standard of right. living because your mother and I have had 20, 30 years to, to build this up. Right. And I think that's a frustration. Um, and it, it's a mindset because growing up watching my parents and grandparents, you work for the same company you know, all their life, mm. and we've kind of swung the pendulum to the other that mm-hmm. if we're not happy, we're going to go uh, change jobs three, four times a oh, year. Oh, yeah. So, that is a challenge for business right here baby <laughs> right here i've done it several <laughs> times yeah um you know and that's something that i think that a lot of i mean that's the difference between like my, like i said you said like uh i had boomer parents you know um i mean we're all probably gen x in in this in this room right now <laughs> and uh as it said it's like there's two there's the gen xers are like listen we're so tired of you millennials <laughs> boomers shut up and retire you know that's kind of what it's been like you know in a lot of cases i for me personally i wish there were a lot of boomers who retired in 2008 during the recession because that was when things really to me fell off a cliff in my industry but um you know it's been interesting though the generational differences at times and um you know i look at gen z though and i I feel like they're hardworking. you know they come in they're like you know what how's the pandemic going to change them you know and what's they're going to What's going to be their at, at attitude on uh, out of you know what they've had to deal with? Because I can't even imagine, you know, going to college and going to high school and all of a sudden, pff, you know, the wheels come off. And uh, it's been a very interesting, uh, you know, two two years for sure. So, uh, I mean, I mean, what's next? We've had <laughs> pandemic. Uh, we had crazy elections. We had a volcano erupt. Uh, what am I missing? What else is on the bingo card? Little we could Russia. Nucle- Russia. We could have yeah. nuclear war. I mean, perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, just fabulous. It's just great. Um, so there's that. What else? Uh, so uh, what? What else we got going on with the chamber? When's your next mixer? Are the mixers coming back now? Uh, they are. We did not do one in January, okay. and that was because we had the spike and the location was very small. Uh, yeah. So we just did a mixer a few weeks ago out at the Dole Center and did a ribbon cutting. Yeah. So, like you said, if you have not been out there, that's really a phenomenal location uh, in our community, and they do a lot of great things. Um, don't know if I could find it quickly. I know we do have a mixer coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay. That should be on our website. All right. So. Uh, yeah. If you haven't been out to Doyle, by the way, to see what they've done there. And they still need help, by the way. So if you need to, you need something. There's always things to donate to. 
Um, that, that's one of them. Doyle needs some stuff. Uh, Delane Sigerman, who is on our who's our guest host on Thursdays, um, she's on the board there now. She's the president of the board, and they're still looking for for things to fill out their pantries and their 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 kitchens and everything else like that. Um, okay, a couple other quick questions for you um, that I've got. Uh, you know, um, unemployment is going to be probably well. It's right now about three point six percent. Probably fall at about three percent. You know, you know, when you when you look at the issues that are out there, you know, and giving intelligence to business, what 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 is your best sort of message you give to these the businesses come to ask you for help or questions um, going forward? Be aware of the market. Be aware of 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 the unintended. Be prepared for 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 changes. I mean, we like to think COVID is done. But it's proven to be pretty insidious, and so we're we're but we're we're going to probably have to manage it now. And how do we how do you how do you kind of help people navigate the landscape? I think just and that's like we said, it's difficult mm-hmm. when you're working sixty, seventy plus hours as a yeah. business owner. Uh, but to me, one of my big things is invest in your employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is your greatest resource. So. Make sure that they're trained, pay them well. And I think that's one of the challenges, too, is not just the pay, is we're so busy right now or trying to get new employees. Sometimes we're not giving them the training maybe we should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really invest in them. And um, and I think coming out of COVID, the other thing is going to be we've talked about the mental health issues mm-hmm. uh, in our country. Yeah. We talk about it. We haven't really done anything about it. And with this isolation more people working from home i think there's going to be more challenges coming it's going to be a lot worse than what we've already seen right uh, that we're going to deal with for the next decade it's so weird by the way if you if you haven't worked at home before which i'm now doing i've been doing for the last year or so uh it's so weird it's 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 it isn't it, it's great and it's isolating at the same time um and so um you know i, I there's long hours like i have to actually get up and like do the dishes just so I don't <laughs> fall asleep at my desk, you know, because you're at home. You're like, no one's watching me. I can just, not off, you know, and um, so I, I, you know, I, it, it, there's a lot of little, little things about that. But they said, that, you know, that being an entrepreneur and being, being a, a business owner can be extremely lonely and isolating experience and, and tough on mental health as well. And mental health has played such a big issue for, for so many people during this I don't know if that's one of the outcomes we see from the pandemic is maybe companies will be better positioned to help their employees or they recognize that these are actual real before people were like, yeah, whatever, you're just faking it. But for a lot of people, no, it's not, mm. you know, not an issue at all. And you always have to present a, a picture of hope to people so that when they are starting on their journey, given all the issues that we're facing, that there actually is a light at the end of the tunnel that we're doing this because we're going to reap some benefits and we're excited about it. And I find that most people who actually do their passion, those that can, it's never really worked to them. Mm-hmm. They just do it and they don't count the clock and they don't look at what time they have to be home or what time they start. They just continue doing it, especially with business owners and entrepreneurs, don't you think? Yeah, and, and I think that the challenge there is as a business owner not to be take the workaholic to the extreme. I mean, right. it's... And I think another way to kind of deal with that is, you know, get involved with something outside of your business, whether it's a, you know, something like a Rotary Club, Lions Club, uh, mm-hmm. get involved at your church. Just that way you've got some relationships where mm-hmm. you're not so all consumed with your business. Because when it is your passion, it's real easy to, to just let that be <laughs> focused. and You can't see the forest for the trees. 
or or as you said before, go on the go on the bourbon trail. Yeah, take take a week and go to the bourbon trail. <laughs> yeah, in, that, in that's Kentucky. always a good thing. It's always a good thing. Uh, we told you to be here at nine forty-five. We lied. It's nine forty-eight. So we'll let you go. Get you out of here. So we can get back to work. But real quick, give us a pitch. Uh, can people still attend? Can they still buy tickets? Uh, what, what's what's how do we how do we attend uh, Thursday's economic summit? Uh, the economic summit uh, brought to you by Texas Hill Country Bank this year. Uh, you can still get tickets. I think the email that went out last week was saying Friday was the deadline. We still do. The great thing about the Happy State Bank Expo Hall at the Hill Country Youth Event Center. Get the whole plug in there. Um, is that That's a mouthful too? It is. Uh, well, I, my former board chair uh, runs Happy State Bank, yeah. so I always tell Brian I'll, I'll get, make sure to give them the plug. Uh, but we've we've got room to expand for seats, so you would have to probably get five six hundred people there to sell out if we opened up the back wall. So yes, you and still can get tickets. And what is the charge tickets. to attend? Uh, I believe it's seventy dollars, and that because that covers your breakfast, your lunch, and then all the content. Okay. Uh, so here is the website, by the way, for the uh, Hill Country Economic Summit. Go ahead, March third, seven thirty to eight is registration and breakfast. Eight to one thirty is the summit. Uh, Johnny Quinn will be speaking there. He's a Texan. Uh, went to North Texas, uh, and then uh, he'll be the keynote speaker. Uh, he was a bobsledder. Not a lot of that here in Texas, but uh, hmm. but he did it because he, he can push the the cart really fast. So it's amazing, by the way, when you want to see bobsled in the Olympics, the Germans are like always good at it. They're they just, are. They're never they're never <laughs> not good at the bobsled. Yeah. So uh, it's a great event. Um, I would recommend it. And uh, the the uh, state of the city was a lot of uh, some good stuff as well. And uh, appreciate it very much for you being here. Thanks a lot for, for joining yeah, us. Thanks for Thank having you. me. All right. Yes. All right, Brad, we'll let you get out of here. Uh, Jacqueline, what else you got going on? What, what do you, what, what, how does your day look? What do you got going on? Well, you said you worked out yesterday. Tell me about that. I did. I worked out very hard, and I was very sore. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I'll be working out again today. Um, working out does what for you? It really kicks in the endorphins. I have... A lot of clarity in my thinking. I really yeah. enjoy that. It gives me stamina, and it's it's very important to be healthy and go for the long haul because we have so many things that we want to do, and we have to be healthy in order to achieve them. Why is airline travel so exhausting? <laughs> oh well, you know this question. You know <laughs> why does it and why does it always hit you like the day after? That's my question too. Well, for me, it doesn't actually have that effect. It doesn't? Because I used to be a flight attendant once. Once? For yes. how long? Uh, for about a year. Yeah? I worked at American Airlines, and I really enjoyed it because yeah. it was something on my bucket list to do because I was always petrified of flying. Really? And so once I... You know, it was really bad. I used to get breakout in sweats and cold and had phobias, and I would have to take uh, oils to calm me down before we took off in any flight. It was terrible. And so um, I got uh, delivered from that fear. <laughs> but and once I did, I turned around and became a flight attendant. And that probably cured you of ever wanting to do that again then, right? After about a year? Because <laughs> it's basically like pushing the cart through the deal. What do you want to drink? <laughs> oh, well, it was really funny. I remember once uh, going down the cart and we had those juice cartons. Yeah, right. And apparently you have to actually puncture the top of the cotton with uh, a pen so that the pressure doesn't allow it to explode. So I was going down the aisle at one point, and I had asked uh, a passenger what did they want, what type of juice, orange juice, apple juice. And so we hit turbulence right as I was pouring 
pouring the drink. And of course, I forgot to punch the hole in the cart oh at the boy. top. So it just went everywhere, all over the passenger. And it was, it was looking back on it now, it was hilarious. You had to give them some miles probably <laughs> for that so as well. Yeah. Um, I don't envy those. You know, they, they said the flight tenants have just had it, you know, really yeah. rough during this period. And, uh, you know, it's a thankless job. You know, it's like you're yeah. serving people. Um, my daughter, though, said that uh, when she traveled to uh, Africa, that the flight attendants were very, very on point, uh, you know, with, with, with following the rules and regulations mm. like that as well. But, I mean, it's, it, that's a brave job, you know. And it it's not, and the glamour goes like out the door in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. So. they're very long hours. And, you know, as a flight attendant, you can only work so many hours and you have to have rest time because you can't be pushed beyond that point. It's right. It's not allowed. Right. And so that's many, many times now with the pandemic, when we get flight delays, um, they cannot find crews. Sometimes right. they can't find pilots. Or if they do find crews, oftentimes they have to get them from different uh, states and fly them in. And that's so that thing. can cause... <laughs> That's the delays. last thing you want. <laughs> that's the last thing you want is, uh, you know, uh, a flight crew that's exhausted. Yeah, no. And yeah. Um, but, you know, they like firefighters in the air. I mean, the training, I remember when I did the training, it was very intense. Yeah. You had to know everything about your particular aircraft. Right. And you had to know how to do first aid. And you had to go through all the drills. You had to work the doors. You had to deal with crisis situations. So it's a very comprehensive training that yeah. they go through. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I remember I was on a Southwest flight one time in Vegas, and there was someone was having a fit. Yeah. And um, this was way pre-pandemic. This was 20 years ago now. And, and uh, a flight attendant just basically just sat on that person. You know, so they had to have physical contact with, with, with people. Uh, because the air marshals weren't there and they had to bring the police in, you know. And so this person was going ballistic, you know. Uh, it was just, I, I don't, I, I don't, I always thank him. Yeah. I always say thank you. Thank you for, for getting me here safely. I'm flying again on, on Saturday night uh, to Miami. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, after, after this last trip to Austin to go to fly. I'm not <laughs> sure I'm looking forward to it because the ground crew made that fun. So, um, you, you said, uh, you made a point to me that you were, you were here to preach. <laughs> when do you start doing that? Well, I'm going to be speaking a little bit and sharing tonight at uh, cross kingdom church in a group that we have primarily geared to understanding, uh, the life of a prophet actually, and how that transitions from the old covenant to the new covenant to where we are today in terms of their life, in terms of their beliefs, in terms of their message. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to be sharing right. today. So do you do you spend a lot of time writing out your things or do you how do you prepare for this kind of stuff? <laughs> well, I do make notes now. I used to do extensive um, sermons like mm-hmm. 28, 30 pages and it realized it took usually days and days. Right. And when I would get up to the pulpit, I would forget half of what I've written. Right. So um, right. <laughs> and so nowadays I just write little points so that I'm able just to remind to myself through. what points they are and just allow the, the Spirit of God to, to fill in the blanks All and right. to say what he wants to say. Did you get any uh, words of wisdom from uh, Bradley, by the way? Did, you, did, did he give you anything that you needed to, to take away from today? What was your big, biggest takeaway from his conversation with us today? I think that he is really good at where... I think he's perfectly suited for what he's doing. Yeah. I think that he really has a heart for the community, and I think he has a heart to to bring people together in terms of economic growth. And I think that he is a problem solver. I think that if he 
uh, sees an issue, he's going to get, if he can answer it, that's wonderful. If not, then he can find the resources all to get together to actually help people pioneer their businesses, nonprofits, whatever it is, and give them um, the ability to achieve what their goals are. Uh, great question here, by the way, from uh, Kelly Schillenager, Um and I didn't see it, so I apologize, Kelly, that uh, um, she wanted to know the difference between, help people understand the difference between the CVB, the Convention Visitors Bureau, and the Chamber of Commerce. And you have to look at it from the position of B2B, business to business, and B2C, business to consumer. And the CVB is, helps those, connects, you know, um, visitors to businesses, visitors to attractions, visitors to services inside Kerrville and then the the to me the biz, the the convention the, the chamber is really a business to business sort of networking thing you know and helping the helping businesses uh, be successful uh, as well and, and at the same time advocating for the advocating for the 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 messages that um, you know the, the the CVB also upholds as well you know um, so, for instance, like, you know, these restaurants that benefit from from tourism, mm. you know, they need they need access to maybe assistance, you know, here. It's just there, there's there there are there are some people like think they should all be one. Um, we have them separate here. And, you know, the over there is overlap in some areas, but there's also some differences as well. So but, yeah, that's hopefully a, a nickel explanation for that uh, for that difference as well sounds like that there's good uh, good scenarios for people to get involved with and to get help that they need yeah um absolutely um yeah so the, so we saw that today and the economic summit will be on thursday we'll have coverage of that on thursday uh tomorrow's show rachel fitch will be here to talk about rachel fitch things we're not sure what she's gonna talk about i, ch- I challenged her to bring in stuff and um we'll see if she brings in stuff here comes another visitor to uh, the the Pint and Plow, and uh, well, maybe he's uh, maybe he's I don't know. We'll see. I think he's <laughs> oh, he's looking, he's looking, and we've got to tell him, uh, uh, sir. Uh, they're they're actually closed today. Yes, you want a cup of coffee though? You, if you have a cup of coffee, you get right there. There's some coffee right there. Yeah, there you go. On us, <laughs> on the on the lead. Uh, okay, final thoughts for the day. Uh, go. Final thoughts for the day for everybody watching. Thank you for watching. We are bringing you always the most pertinent information, what's going on in Kerr County. Thanks for your uh, participation with us. And please subscribe because we need your subscriptions so you can get the newsletter and everything good that's going on. All right. That's right. Um, thank you very much uh, for, for, for that pitch. I appreciate it. How's the coffee? Is it okay? Just no, It's on us. Take it. Take it. Leave it. You. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, she's not from West Texas, no. Uh, she's not. We're not sure where she's from exactly. So, Have a good day, you guys. too. Take care. Um, that's one of the benefits of coming in on a Tuesday. If you catch us in here, you can actually have free coffee. So, there you go. <laughs> Let's not make it too public. All right. So, tomorrow, Rachel Fitch will be here. Thursday, we're working on a guest. Uh, Friday, uh, we're going to talk to Century 21, The Hills Realty, about one of their big events that's coming up uh, April 2nd here. It's a farm and ranch expo. Looking forward to that conversation as well. Election day, get out and vote. Uh, it's a primary day, so if you're a Republican, vote for your Republican candidates. You're a Democrat, vote for your Democrat candidates. Not a lot of Democrats on the on the uh, on the ballot, so you might you want to vote Republican. I don't know. Um, so, or you're like me, you're like I'm going to sit this one out because, and that's what a lot of primary people do. You know, they don't want to identify with a party, so so they sit them out. Um, 
and support everybody who's out there that's campaigning yeah, today. If you right. see them, drive by, honk. Honk at them. Say, <laughs> we you're crazy. You. <laughs> what are you <laughs> running for? <laughs> are you nuts? Um, no, actually, anybody who serves, anyone who chooses to run, I think, is, is, is worthy of. Thank you, for your, thank you for your service. Thank you for your belief right. in democracy. Um, and thank you for this as well. So there you go. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Jacqueline Garris-Medes. No, Jurassic-Medes. I want to say Gera. I don't know why. Jurassic is 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 our co-host today. Thanks for uh, thanks for all that you do as well. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Have a good day. Have a good day. There you are. There you are. See, You're, we got you on the camera. Just what it takes. Just make believe.